following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language and mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. Rock stars they are and God bless them for that. The show was moving in another direction. Name something you see in a ski lodge. Skis. I said, so, uh, Harry, did you hear? Uh, Mom is going to start skiing. And he said, oh, that'll be great. I'm so excited. And then Regina says, is it slippery? Looks like someone took the slow train from Philly. No, I don't understand that banter at all. Perfectly ordinary banter, Squiffy. The skeleton took a shower. i to tell you, my weirdo meter is at a left. Now get me Savior! And the SportsJourney.com radio network back on the air. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Bob Matthews. Delighted to have you with us. We are, well, about a week away from training camp starting, and we don't, uh, the reason that we're on today is that I wanted to, uh, well, I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to some uh, new friends on Twitter that hopefully are going to help us grow the, grow the show as we move into what could be a, a really, really interesting year uh, for the Washington football team. Um, I want to say thanks to uh, both the uh, at Raw podcast with Rio, at Sports 3 underscore DMV, and at WFT News 1 for, well, giving us a follow and also for um, retweeting uh, about us and letting everybody in the, on the Twitter team and everybody out there in the, um, in the virtual world know about the show. Uh, we started this show... Uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, And just to let you know a little bit uh, about myself, uh, my name is Bob Matthews. I was doing Afternoon Drive for a while at Sports Radio 96.5850 in Norfolk, Virginia Beach. I've been covering the Washington football team in person for about three years, been on the beat for about three years, been a fan of the team ever since I can remember. Now, uh, just before last season, Got an offer from Lake Lewis to join the SportsJourney.com family. And by the way, I I recommend everybody uh, bookmarking SportsJourney.com. It's one way to find both my show. You can also find the urban sports scene there and after practice with Lake Lewis and other really, really good podcasts have to do with uh, pretty much everything D.C. sports. Um, so uh, about, about this time last year, uh, Lake uh, gave me an opportunity to join, as I said, the SportsJourney.com family. I took him up on it, and uh, it's, it's been a hell of a ride ever since. Last year, of course, was a little bit of a challenge for everybody what with COVID and doing everything remotely, but we are both back on the practice field this year. We will be back at training camp when it starts, uh, as you're listening to this next week, this is uh, as we record this, it is July 19th. And as the Washington football team gets ready to head to Richmond for the week, we will be up there as well. The entire SportsJourney.com family will be. And then once the season starts, we will be covering every home game. And the way my podcast and my show has always worked is if you tune in on Monday, uh, you're going to get a lot of exclusive locker room access from the players and coaches. Uh, that's what we like to do. We like to go in. We like to talk with the guys after the game. And we like to give you a, a little bit of an extended version of what you might get 
directly after the game, along with some analysis as well. We have also, over the last few years, built a pretty good, loyal stable of Washington beat writers, both on the football team and with a lot of the other sports around the nation's capital as well. And we are um, we will be leaning heavily on them as well throughout the year to give us the latest on what's going on, as well as you know both report the news and give us their analysis. And that's what I wanted to do on this show. If you haven't heard it before, we uh, did a little little something something the last month or so that we called the summer series. Uh, this show primarily deals with the football team in the Washington Capitals. That's what you will get. Primarily, uh, but who knows what's going to happen from here on out. And uh, after hockey season, we kind of took a little bit of a break. But then uh, starting about a month ago, we did something called the Summer Series, where we interviewed some of our, uh, we talked to some of our uh, favorite uh, reporters on the beat to get their get their take on things like OTAs and mini camps and, and the draft and all that good stuff. So, I want to start it off with um, one of the guys that is uh, well, is a little bit of a mentor and kind of um, kind of the the, the guy that um, started this whole thing uh, at least with me about a year and a half ago, though it's been around for a while. Uh, about a month ago, we I caught up with uh, my friend and the founder and CEO of SportsJourney.com, the Great Lake Lewis, and we talked about. Uh, we talked about the offseason. We talked about OTAs, minicamps, the draft, and what things are going to look like as we head towards next week in Richmond. Let's continue this train of thought with the founder and CEO of SportsJourney.com. Mr. Lake Lewis is joining us on the program now. How are you, my friend? You having a good summer? I am. I am a busy summer, <laughs> but yeah. nevertheless, uh, excited about you know getting back down to Richmond in a couple of weeks and and getting a normal season underway, hopefully. Well, isn't that the truth? By the way, I have thought ahead this year. I have a bucket hat this year. So, you know, okay. keep, keep, okay. this, yeah, keep, keep the get sun off the chair. head. No, we got to get you the towel, though. That's that's the goal. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, no, I got, I got a towel, too. I got a towel, too. Okay. So I'm good to go. Okay. All right. Okay. That's, okay. That's, that's bald, guys. We got to, you know, we got to stick together on that stuff. No, that's my that's my ritual down in, in, in Richmond. Um, <laughs> everyone look on the field and they see a guy sitting there with a Gatorade towel wrapped around his head. Um, like, almost mummified. That's me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's let's get caught up here because we haven't talked in a little while. And I'll start kind of, you know, with the with the newest stuff first and we can work backwards. But uh, the big announcement from the Washington football team a couple of days ago, uh, Daniel Snyder naming his wife, Tanya, as co-CEO. Um, I, am I being cynical or does this seem like a guy that knows something really bad is coming out and is really anxious to change the narrative going forward? See the first, the, when I, when I, so, you know, we get these, the team sends us these releases, you know, Mm -hmm. so I guess we can run with them however we want. So when I got the email from the team and I looked at it, I, I, my first reaction was, and, and please, I'll, you know, if you're, if you're married out there listening and watching this right now, please don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but I looked at this like, well, isn't she already that unofficial title? I mean, she's the wife of the owner of the team, <laughs> you know, God forbid, if something happens to him, it's her team. Yeah. 
Right. That's we've seen this happen in history, you know, so I'm not making this stuff up. But to have to say that um, I did, my first reaction was, wow, is this like the new minority owner, <laughs> you know, at the same time where he's protecting his asset, you know, and if that's the case, then he's smart. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm starting to get to a point with the team now. It seems like every week there's a new title being thrust onto someone. And it's, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even notice that many people in the building, let alone that many titles across the board. And I'm not saying these people aren't qualified for the titles they're getting because they are. But man, it's 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 overload almost at this point. <laughs> Big time. But in a couple more weeks, I think you and I are going to be named executive vice presidents of something. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, man, it, I, I don't care if I'm named, you know, sanitation worker one or or <laughs> or, or CEO one. The point is, if, if I'm making money off either, it's fine with me, whatever. <laughs> very, very pragmatic of you. Extraordinarily pragmatic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Your thoughts on on minicamp, what you saw, uh, you and I are always we are always pretty bullish or have been the last few years because we think that there's there's really something there. Is it just the case of, you know, this team's got to get out of its own way? Yeah, there's there's something there. Um, I think, you know, we've covered this group long enough to know what our eyes and our mind is telling us to finally match up, <laughs> you know, yeah. in years past. The eyes would be like, oh, they got some talent here. They've got some talent there. But our mind was like, they don't have enough. And the talent that they did have may not always be on the same page with everyone. You know, a lot of guys were about their statistics. So now you have a young group that won last year. Obviously, they didn't have a winning record, but they still nevertheless won the division, competed, you know, admirably against the Buccaneers in the, in the playoffs, gave Tampa their toughest run, if you ask me. So they feel like, okay, we belong, but how much do they feel like they belong on the grander stage? And that's what we're gonna find out this year. Do they, do they think that they can take a next step and not just win the division, which, which my friend would be the first time in what, 16 straight seasons in the NFC East? Something like that's that. That's a goal to shoot for, if anything, it's to win the division again. And then once you get in, you get a home game, Maybe this time you win one, and that's a proper step. And I think most fans would be comfortable if that were the case. Do you think we've heard a lot of talk this offseason that the defense, especially, you know, and with the additions, Jamin Davis, William Jackson, et cetera, et cetera, does this, when you see them on the field, and I know it's just shorts and, and, and helmets, but does it seem like it has the legitimate potential to be a top 10 defense to you? Uh, not just top 10, it has the potential to be the number one defense. And, and I'm going to go out on record and say it's going to come down between Washington and Cleveland this year to have the best defense. I think personnel-wise, they're the two deepest units um, in the NFL. Um, Cleveland's just got a monster lineup on defense. They really do. Well, Washington's got a potential monster lineup, but it's still, you know, laden with young players. And from what I saw in those four days of, of minicamp or three days of minicamp, man, uh, they've got some some rookies that are whew, that are really <laughs> talented. You know, I'm not going to say elite or next level. They're talented. And if they can be coached up properly and their desire matches their coaching, I, I think, you know, Benji St. Juice is a name that people are going to have to remember. I think he has a chance to some somehow, some way at some point this year slide across 
William Jackson and be the opposite corner and maybe put Kendall Fuller over in the slot where, you know, we naturally think he probably should be anyway, you know. Um, obviously, Jamin Davis is just a, a, a freak athlete. I mean, when you see him backpedaling and seeing him getting into his breaks, that's athleticism we haven't seen at that position in a long time. Just no getting around that. Um, I think Shaka Tony was a steal. <laughs> I, and I'm not just throwing the Penn State thing out there, even though we are. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I just, I, I do have to say, though, I think he was a steal for them. And to be able to get him some reps behind, you know, Chase Young and, uh, and, and Montez Sweat, that's big because, you know, I think James Williams from last year will be another guy that's going to step up. They need some young guys. They need some other guys that are going to be able to help in that pass rush as well. So watch out for those guys. Where are your concerns uh, as, as they head into training camp? Where can this whole thing unravel? I mean, naturally, it's quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's just pretty much for all of us covering the team is common sense. I mean, they, they feel like they've shorted it up and I think they, they did. I think that they've got two quarterbacks that can actually start for this team. Um, No offense to Kyle Allen. Um, You know, he's, he's decent and, you know, he's proven that he can play at this level, but I look at it. I look at him more as a, as a, as a, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I was going to say a lifetime backup you know right. which is not bad you can make some good money it's a great gig you know <laughs> to, to stay Absolutely. stand up right injury free and make money right I, um, I'll, I'll take it i'll hold a clipboard for a few hundred thousand dollars a year <laughs> I, I, absolutely but but i think fitzpatrick is the guy that they're pretty much betting on being the starter but i'm telling you bob what i saw in those three days of mini camp i know there's no pads and things like that but 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 taylor heineke is not going away and what I saw from him was a mobile quarterback that got stronger. He's much bigger, put on like 15 pounds. And you actually see the weight on him. You can see it, mm-hmm. the muscle on him. Um, but his deep balls were just, they, they were like surprising. And, and then I told myself, why am I surprised? Because a couple of throws he made last, last season in that playoff game were down the field, which we hadn't seen almost all year. And he comes in and he's winging it left and right down the field. Well, I saw that in minicamp. And if he can continue to do that throughout like training camp and in preseason, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear from the fans. You're going to hear from some of us in the media. There might be a quarterback competition, but isn't that what you want? Isn't that what Ron Rivera told us when he first got here? He wants competition at every position and the best guy will win out. That's what you want for a team that aspires to be a, a deep playoff team this year. And if, you know, if you go back and look at it, and I, I think I heard Sheehan talking about this earlier this week, and it's, it's been on my mind for a while, but if you look at the Super Bowl era in totality and just, you know, go by raw numbers, you've had almost as many first round, you know, franchise quarterbacks win a Super Bowl as you have non first round quarterbacks win a Super Bowl. Well, winning is Super Bowl winner of all time was a seventh rounder. Exactly. (laughs) Precisely. And, 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 you know, so, so for me, I don't care what round you drafted in. If you're, if you're the better of, of the, you know, of the two or three that are competing for that job, you got to, you have to play. And I understand a lot of things come down to money, but that's why in this situation, it's not going to be about the money because Fitzpatrick's on a one-year deal. So, um, you know, with the option, I think for a second year, but, but the point is, you know, he's not, he's not making $20 million, you know, so this isn't something where we kind of saw this last year with Haskins forced out onto the field. 
Um, and they just were hoping they caught lightning in the bottle. I mean, maybe he fooled everyone. I know he fooled you and me, yeah. but, but um, they're not going to do that this year. I, I think they're just going to go with what, what's working for them. But I do think Fitzpatrick has some time to buy because let's face it, you know, there's a reason why maybe, um, you know, Taylor looked a little bit better than him, you know, in, in minicamp. And that's because he's been on this roster. He knows the offense better. Um, and, and we know that veterans sometimes in many camp, they're just, they're working on technique. They're working on just their own individual things. But I think we're going to see the truth come to light here, come training camp. You know, whoever is the starting quarterback for the Washington football team this year earned it. And that's all you can ask for. With everything with the pandemic this year, you know, it, it's been hard to have any one-on-one -on -one conversations with, with any of the players. Have you... You know, have you been able to talk to anybody offline? And I mean, if so, what's what's been the what what's been in the mood? What's the mood like in the locker room? I mean, do you get a sense that that you know are they it's really buying into this? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh oh yeah, 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 yeah. These these guys know that um, these guys know that they that there's something there. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about it. Um, you know, a couple of the guys that I spoke with just just feel like everything's on the up and up. You know, it's just a different atmosphere. Guys are happier. Um, you know, there's just a lot of competition though. So I don't think anyone particularly feels safe. And, and that's, that's what you want. You want that from your stars too. You don't want them to ever feel like I did this. Now I can relax. No, no, no. There's, there's somebody breathing behind their neck. <laughs> and I mean, my God, just to be able to say this finally, you know, we haven't been able to ever talk about depth on this team. It's right. always been, you had a frontline player. Let's just say you had a Deshaun Jackson, who's a great, you know, great player, Pro Bowl caliber player. And you had this, uh, Pierre Garçon on the other side. And when the team drafted Josh Doxson for depth <laughs> and, and a, at the time, they thought an equally talented receiver, people were like, what are they doing? You know, they need position players in other places. So now to be able to talk about depth on pretty much every position Man, I'm, I'm telling you, Bob, there's going to be a lot of surprise cuts. It's going to be some guys that people thought were going to, you know, be mainstays here or going to be at least here three, four, five seasons that are going to be on the outside looking in. But that's the problem that you want if you're a good football team. I mean, how many times do we see like the Steelers when somebody had like a great run in a season and all of a sudden they wanted that big payday, they were gone. Yeah, yeah very true. <laughs> so, so you got, you got to pay guys. So you can't pay everybody, but ones you pay, you better make sure you're paying the right ones. And that's, that's what's about to happen with this team. They've got some decisions to make, especially across that defensive line or who's yeah. getting paid. Uh, it's, it's a new paradigm for him. What, what did, uh, what, what was the locker room feeling on the Morgan Moses release? Because, uh, you know, I know that the two of you have worked so, together in the past. That's my guy. And I, and yeah. I did, I spoke with, I spoke with him um, before everything actually came out and yeah, I, I can say I wasn't happy with the way things transpired. Mm. Um, but I understand it's a business and I actually talked with him about the same thing and um, you know, just said, just be thankful for your time here. You made a lot of money and you're going to go somewhere else and make some more money. So, you know, what's there to be upset about, you know, I understand no one has wants to move their family and things like that. And I think in that situation, it was just more or less the timing of everything. And, you know, he was just told verbatim, flat out, you know, without, you know, cutting to the chase, he was called and told instantly, hey, we decided to go in a different direction, <laughs> you know, and we're going to go younger, which you and I both know 
means they're cheaper. Going cheaper. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Young, younger, younger is a code word for cheaper. And and that's fine. You know, so that's what I'm saying. You know, when you take your friendship out of things and you, and you approach it as a professional, you realize that this team has those decisions they have to make. And if they're comfortable enough to feel like, you know, um, that Cornelius Lucas can move over to the right side because I think he's going to be your starting right tackle to start the season. And I think, um, you know, Sam Cosme, who they took in the second round from Texas, uh, you know, they, they, they're high on him, too. So they feel like they've got two for one in, in retrospect of having to pay both those guys collectively less money than they paid Morgan. It's, it's a business and that's just how it works. Yeah. And it, and it frees up money in the future to take care of more guys. guys on the off on the defensive line. You, you, you really can't be upset about that. Um, I don't know if there's ever a right way to go about releasing a player, but, but I can say that there was no, just to clear up the air, there was Morgan never demanded a trade, never demanded more money. None of the above, all that stuff was false and inaccurate. You know, it was just, it was a call place to him. <laughs> that's that's how that happened yeah <laughs> so so as long as we're on on deep background and stuff the wilkinson report we expect it to come out sometime soon you hearing anything out there about what's in it how bad it might be anything like that and when we're going to get to oh, see it no i don't and, and and i'll be honest with you i i haven't paid too much attention to it because what's damning is damning <laughs> and it's, yeah. the damage has already been done. I mean, anything else that comes out isn't going to be like, wow, I didn't know that happened. After hearing what we heard, you know, it, the damage has already been done. And, and I think that they, they're ahead of the curve, to be honest with you, as far as repairing it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, finally, it'll probably just be in a, in a lot of people's minds over with, you know, as far as just, just th that book, they can close that chapter and keep pushing forward and, and making more positive changes because, uh, you know, whether you like the changes or not, you, you have to give the organization credit, whether they were pushed to do it, whether, you know, public pressure got to them, who cares? The point is they, they've made some changes that have been better for their organization and it's showing it's, it's just, it's right in front of you. You can't, you, you can't miss the night and day difference. If you've covered this team as, as you know, this will be my 10th season there's no question that this is a more professionally ran situation for all of us. And it'll be, it's going to be fascinating to see how that appears in person, because, you know, all of these changes have been going on remotely for all of us. Yeah. 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 You know, and it, it, it's, it, you know, to be out of practice and not have to wear a mask now. Um, I'm not going to lie. The first day when they said, you know, Hey, like, you know, you guys, if you're vaccinated, you, you don't have to wear your mask. And I, I took my mask off and it was great to breathe fresh air. But <laughs> it was almost like, mm, because I do know for a fact that the half that roster has not had their shots and don't want their shots. I mean, we saw Montez Sweat speak out oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, do do I want to do this? You know, I mean, we're we're old men now, Bob. You know, we can't <laughs> know. just, we, we, you know, we can't we can't risk things and be around family and stuff. So I was just Absolutely. like, maybe should I, should I put it up? Should I put it down? But we were, you know, so far away. 
um, you know, I, I kept it down for a little bit. And the only reason I did put mine back up for a split second was because it was so many darn cicadas flying around everywhere. <laughs> and I one one flying in my mouth if I yawned or something. Exactly. Well, hey, one got stuck in Fitz's beard. I mean, you know, you can't be Man, careful. Man, I was disgusted. I was disgusted. <laughs> if I had something in my beard like that, I probably would, my fingers would have shaved this beard off. <laughs> I would I would certainly hope so. That one was a bridge too far for me. Right, right. Uh, like Lewis, the founder and creator of sportsjourney.com let everybody know not that they don't already but where do they follow you on twitter just so they can keep up to date well um you know before before we uh get into that i i i i kind of want to say it on your show um, all right oh know, but big announcement but coming here you're yeah you're getting ready to uh benefit something and when we get off the air i'm going to tell you what it is but you're going to be really happy about Ooh, it um, i accept so <laughs> Yeah, who do I who yeah, do I have so, who do I have so, to kill? Who do no I have one. to kill? It's already been done. Okay, <laughs> bullets right. have already been taken. Excellent. But yeah, but 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 no, it's a good good setup for us here with uh, with Sports Journey, and uh, I'm 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 excited about it, and got a lot of different things in the oven that you know um, we plan on having taken care of before training camp. You know, so once training camp's here for all of us, we're 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 running and we're rolling. So. Um, but yeah, you can go to sportsjourney.com as always, and, and not just my stuff, but you see Bob right here. You see his great stuff. You know, did an awesome job covering the Capitals this year. Oh, thank you, sir. I mean, they fizzled, they fizzled out on you, yeah. which made me upset because that was just a train wreck. Uh, and we've seen that so many times. It's, just be grateful you got that Stanley Cup three years ago. Damn right. <laughs> four years I, ago. I've got, got the banner right up on the wall over here. It's I just look at it hey, every time they have one of those happen. I, every time you have one of those fallouts, you just you can say at least we saw one because you know think about it, guys like us who saw championships when we were younger. You yeah. know, with the with the bullets and then and then the Redskins at the time. Yeah. Um, the, the Orioles were kind of the kingpin then. You know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good to see, you know, over the past several seasons, we saw the Mystics, we saw the Capitals, we saw the Nationals. So now let's let's get the big dog one, you know, Absolutely. If we can get one to covering the team that we cover every day. Yep. Um, it, this city would go nuts. So hopefully we get a chance to see that. Oh, but yeah, you know, just just everything, you know, you, you can go on social media, check us all out on there as well. So, you know, I don't like doing a lot of plugging. I just, <laughs> people find us. <laughs> Very good, sir. I will leave it at that then. The Great Lake Lewis. Thank you, my friend, as always. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be giving you a call in a few minutes. <laughs> so that's one of the things that you can count on during the season is that we will be checking in with Lake quite frequently. Another guy that we'll be checking in with quite frequently is one of the beat reporters for the Washington Post, and that is Sam Fortier. He, you might hear him on 106.7 The Fan or the Team 980. He also has a recurring guest spot here on the Bob Matthews Podcast. In fact, we caught up with Sam just uh, about a month ago to talk about the same thing, how the offseason was going as we get set for training camp. Time to get some perspective from Washington football insider Sam Fortier, the Timothy Chalamet of sports journalism. He is with us now. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is, is quite the uh, comparison. What uh, in, in what way am I the him of sports journalism? Well, you're, you're both actors and you're you. <laughs> 
as I, your filmography is just as good as his. I mean, who, who out there will say that he's better than you as an actor? <laughs> not me. That's, he's not better hey, than you. Right, right. And, and I was always told if you don't support yourself, you know, nobody's going to back you. So, so I'll have to say the same thing. I, I appreciate the, the support. Absolutely. And, you know, the Gen Zers, they're as crazy about you as they are about him. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's a great comparison. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's get to it. Enough frivolity. Um, so everything is going along pretty much like clockwork. Ron Rivera is getting what he wants out of the team. And then we get to our post-practice interviews yesterday. And Montez Sweat, um, he, uh, he rolls a pretty big matzo ball out there yesterday, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, he said that, that he would, when asked about Ron Rivera bringing in uh, a vaccine expert, a leading immunologist, an assistant professor at Harvard to give his players more facts about the vaccine, Montez Sweat said, I'm not a fan of it at all. I won't get vaccinated until I get more facts. And then when asked why he was hesitant, I, he said, I haven't caught COVID yet. So I don't see me treating COVID until I actually get COVID, which there's a lot to break down there. Where do you want to start? Oh, so much, so much. You know, the one thing, and, and this kind of all goes back to, for you guys that are there on the beat every day, I, I can imagine it's frustrating for you. I don't want you to pontificate because you are a reporter, you deal in facts, um, you know, uh, if, when, when you become a columnist, then, then we will ask you your opinion on things. <laughs> as, as an objective observer and everything, it, I, I can imagine it's frustrating for you guys and the lack of access to these guys in that you can't, you can't talk to guys off on the side, just off the record saying, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Can you? I mean, have you guys got any sense of if there's any kind of a, a split isn't the right word, but is there is there any agitato in the locker room over vaccines and stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, Montez Sweat said it was a, a quote, constant conversation, unquote, among the players at, as of Tuesday night when they had the presentation, then Wednesday at practice. Um, you know, Ron Rivera said it's, it's an ongoing discussion today. So, I mean, this is certainly... Uh, I don't know about agitato, but it's definitely a, a topic of conversation among the players as it is among everyone else. And, and I do think that there is, it's, it's a difficult position for Ron Rivera to be in because he wants them to get the vaccine. He wants to hit that threshold, whatever the NFL ends up setting it at. The MLB is at 85% where they'll re relax some protocols. The NFL is, is I think, debating those numbers now. Uh, but he wants to be able to have those, those you know, lessened restrictions to, to be able to get back to as close to normal as possible, right? But at the same time, he cannot force these guys to do it. He cannot, you know, mandate that they do it. So, and, and Montez Sweat, obviously, is, is one of his bookend pass rushers. So, that, you know, it's not like he could uh, get less playing time. He is really locked in, I think, um, where he is on this team. So, Ron Rivera is in a difficult position of, of wanting his players to get it but not be able to force it. And, and so I, I asked him today, what's his next step for training camp? And he said, you know, he'll continue the conversation. You know, maybe he brings in another person to, to educate his players. Um, but there really isn't much more he can do in terms of saying, hey, guys, I really want you to get this. I, I was I was kind of I was kind of wondering out loud um, before we started talking, but I remember that Sweat had some, you know, there was the reason he fell in the draft was because there were some 
perceived ish, health issues with his heart or something like that. I mean, you know, are we, is anybody giving him the doubt and that maybe he's got some legitimate health concerns about it and, and just articulated it poorly yesterday? If that is a point of discussion, he, neither he nor anyone in his camp has indicated that that, that was the reason. And, and, and I will say, when you do explain it as, I probably won't get vaccinated until I get more facts, that positions your argument as, I'm just not well-informed enough. And, and it prompts the question, well, then, you know, who do you need to speak to other than a person who was involved in developing the Moderna vaccine? This, this woman, uh, I, I believe her name is um, Kezamaya S. Corbett. Um, if I'm saying that correctly, but, but, you know, what other information could he need? I think that's the, the point that I think a lot of people were left with yesterday after his explanation. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could almost see everybody kind of taken aback that, that, that he kind of said that um, again, because you guys can only, you know, we can, all of us can only talk to players um, virtually. There's, there's no sense of how that's playing in the locker room, is there? Other than what we what we've heard on the Zoom calls, right? Right. There is certainly a limited understanding of how that's playing out, which is, as you said, unfortunate because in a normal year, you know, guys that you know, you can pull off the side and say, "Hey, what what do you think about this?" And and obviously, you know, we do get the sense because Sadiq Charles, uh, you know, left tackle, left guard, uh, said, you know, he was vaccinated. His mom was a nurse uh, in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. He's um, certainly, I think, educated probably more than most about medical conditions. So he said he got it. But yeah, in terms of how it's playing among the other players, Montez Sweat's comments specifically, we don't have a great understanding of that. Do, do you think this is going to become a bad look for the organization? Or is this more something that all of us in the football universe are talking about just because it's it's the end of minicamp and we've got nothing to do for the next six or seven weeks? No, I think this is a flash button topic. I don't know if it reflects poorly on the organization because, I mean, Ron Rivera did take a proactive step to invite, you know, an expert to come right. to and talk to his team. And Montez had his individual reaction to it, which not only, you know, his words were his own and his explanation was his own, but I do think he hit on a realm or a sentiment of vaccine hesitancy that's prevalent among professional athletes and obviously a larger segment of the American public. So I don't think this is necessarily a bad look for Washington, but I do think it, it reflares that conversation that, that to be honest, I don't know if this will create any productive dialogue about uh, rather than just reinforcing positions that people already have. And Rivera really said all that he could say, given everything that he has to balance um, with this team and with this organization, that that he would like everybody to to get a vaccine, but he respects everybody's individual choice. I mean, he really had no he really had no other option other than to say that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, he even played his you know personal um, personal involvement card in the sense that he said, look, I mean, vaccines are not only important to me as a football coach because, you know, I want my guys to be as back to normal as possible. I want us to prepare. I want things to be how they were, but also, I mean, this is a guy that battled cancer eight months ago and, and was certainly immunocompromised and was in tier one B or whatever it was and was able to get his vaccine early. And that is something that he said, you know, that he detailed, even when he was vaccinated, his wife and his daughter were not. And so being around them every day, uh, was difficult and they took extra precautions. So 
he has played all of the cards that he can play, and it's really up to his players now whether they want to do it or not. All right, so on the field, let's talk about some stuff that was going on on the field the last three days. Um, I want to get your impressions because one of the things I've heard repeatedly from folks that have been out there is how much faster, especially the defense looks. Have, have you noticed that out there? Oh, yeah. It, it's hard not to. When you add guys like William Jackson the third, uh, when you add guys in the, in the back end, um, when you start to see, you know, even Jamin Davis, the linebacker position, I mean, Kevin Pierre Lewis was fast, but, but I don't think as fast as him. And, and even, especially on the offense too. I mean, Deami Brown, Curtis Samuel wasn't out there, but um, just the total package of what this team could be speed wise is, is really impressive. And, and it's just, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I used to cover baseball. It's kind of like when you watch a pitcher throw his fastball, versus, you know, maybe his changeup. It, it really is that apparent how much quicker things are happening this year. Interesting. Also, the fact that I guess the defense for the first time in a long time is, is you know, playing in a, in a scheme that they, that they had last year as well. They're not learning a new scheme this offseason, right? Absolutely. And, and you can even see the speed. I mean, this probably doesn't jump to mind as the number one place you'd see speed, but the defensive linemen, and being in it, you know, before they were in a two-gap technique, hey, you know, we want to stay at the line and kind of control the line. Now they're trying to get more upfield. They're trying to get into gaps, and they're trying to play, you know, the run on the way to the quarterback as opposed to, um, you know, playing the run two-gap uh, before. And so now I think you can see defensive linemen being more decisive, being more definitive, because it was a tough transition uh, from, you know, from that two-gap to that one-gap. Um, that they had last year. And a lot of people spoke about, I know John Allen uh, kind of knocked that theory down and said, Hey, it's, it's more of a media thing than an actual thing between among defensive linemen. But I will say that, that I have heard uh, from, from several people, I think who, who would know that the defensive line, they do feel like is playing faster this year. John, John Allen's um, meeting yesterday with reporters was such a, it was kind of a cleansing thing after, after the Montez dust up, uh, you know, you just listen to John Allen and you're like, good Lord, please get the contract signing out of the way. I mean, you talk about a guy that's become a leader on this team. I mean, that's John Allen all the way, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. He has certainly embraced that role. He has that Alabama Nick Saban veneer to him where and I think his quote yesterday was, I get paid to whoop people's asses when mm -hmm. asked about, <laughs> when asked about, you know, some responsibility of his job. Um, and so that is the sort of, I think, mindset that this team wants to carry. And, and certainly, you know, getting behind him and as, as someone who um, would embrace that leadership role. And I think one nugget that people don't know is that everybody knows that Chase Young became an unexpected leader last year, right? He, he stepped into that role a lot earlier than people expected, but the guy that really passed him that torch was John Allen. And so before that Cincinnati Bengals game in week 10, coming off of that brutal loss against the lions where Chase Young had that penalty and allowed uh, Matt Prater to kick the game winning field goal. John Allen went up to Chase and said, Hey, you want to talk to the guys? And Chase said, yeah. And so I think not only is John Allen the type of leader in the sense that, you know, he has that brusque, mentality he has obviously his play to back it up and his availability but also he's not afraid to share the stage with those guys and he understands it takes the, a group effort so I'm probably rambling and giving you a lot more than you than you expected but I, I do think John Allen is is a pretty instrumental figure in that locker room 
You always give us more than expected, and that, and I mean that in a good way. It's a good thing, <laughs> Sam. It's always added value with you. Final question about uh, about minicamp, uh, the offense. Again, I think you know people be, need to kind of settle down about the offense because defense is always ahead of offense in this in these scenarios, right? Yeah, I, I think I think that's certainly the case, especially when you look at how much continuity the defense had versus the the offense. You get a new quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you shift around at least two, maybe three positions on the offensive line. Certainly, it's not just in scheme, it's but it's also in personnel. So, I mean, the offense I, I think actually had had quite a day today. Antonio Gandy Golden really, you know, had a had really the nicest catch I've ever seen him make with a a one-handed down the left sideline. Deami Brown held his own in kind of uh, running away from Benjamin St. Juice. Um, so the offense had its moments, but certainly the defense is had, which had, I think four or five interceptions today certainly was, uh, was ahead of the game. So do you get some, uh, vacation time now that uh, everybody's going to scatter to the winds for a few weeks? <laughs> uh, TBD, I, I still got to get through the next couple of days and I'm sure we'll have a couple projects coming up. So, you know, I'm glad the players get some time off, but, uh, I don't see it in, in the foreseeable future for me. No rest for the weary. No rest for the weary, my friend. All right, Sam. Thank you so much. We appreciate it as always. And I guess uh, the next time we see you will be in Richmond, hopefully. Of course. Of course. Thank you for having me, Bob, as always. Now, when I started this, there were uh, a couple of folks in the press corps, uh, aside from Lake. Sam wasn't on the beat yet, but that really supported me uh, going going this route and have never ever uh, turned down a chance to uh, a chance to lend their expertise to, to help us out. One of those people is what I the person I consider one of the, the low bearing walls of this show and that is Rhiannon Walker of the Athletic. You will not find a finer journalist or for that matter a finer person both covering this team and just, you know, in life in general. And it's always a treat for us to have Rhiannon on. And we sat down with her as well to get her thoughts on what she saw uh, at minicamp this year. You know what that theme song means? It is time to bring in Washington football insider Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic as we get ready for training camp. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Bob. How are you doing? I am great. We are three weeks away, less than three weeks away now from training camp. And you and I haven't uh, caught up since I think before OTAs. So I actually want to go back and start there. Seeing as how that's the fact, um, what was your impressions of Washington's offseason work up to the point that we saw the last time, you know, they were on the field before before summer break? I think I did a pod. I did do a podcast with John Kahn. We talked about the exact same thing for those. I'm sure who all know John Kahn is the ESPN reporter who covers the team is fantastic person reporter. Hall of Famer. He's awesome. Um, And so I think when I talked to him, like he asked me what my grade for this offseason would be. I believe I gave an A minus and I don't do so particularly lightly. Obviously they did spend some money this year, which is fine in my personal opinion. I think it's a good thing to spend money if it's going towards either pushing the teams in the direction that you want to go. It fits the personnel. It fits the culture. And for all the people that they brought in, in my personal opinion, that was what it was essentially. I mean, you bring in a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick 
who in theory with what they have around him should be able to succeed. And when people kind of wonder and scratch their head, like, why are you bringing in the 17 year veteran? Well, one of the things he does particularly well is he distributes the ball really well. Like he, like a point guard. I mean, he gets everybody involved. So everybody feels like they're really a part of the offense. They really contribute. In addition to the fact that for these young receivers, which they have a lot of, they're going to have to grow up because you can't take a break. You can't sit there thinking if I just run this route, half-assedly like it's going to be okay well no he might be running around scrambling and find you I mean look at his last play as a Miami Dolphin if that doesn't give you any any indication of what this guy is capable of or what he's about to do for this offense considering the weapons they have now in place then I don't know what else to tell you then you get a guy in William Jackson who is a notable press man corner who really did not see a ton of action I believe what there was uh, 10 receptor or 10 throws something like that his way that he defended I can't remember the number off the top of my head the point being is that Quarterbacks didn't throw his way very often. And there's been that question about the interceptions. And he makes the point of, well, if they don't throw the ball very much, I'm not going to have as many opportunities to uh, intercept the ball. So, you know, the times that I have, I think he had like one, two interceptions, something like that, if I remember correctly. He makes a valid point. Basically, he's letting these guys know your your best wide receiver is on an island over here. You better throw the ball somewhere else, because if you do throw it my way, I might do something with that. Um and now teams will have to decide, do you want to throw it to Kendall Fuller's side or do you want to throw it to William Jackson's side? These are the, the choices they're going to have to make. And also it's something that when you look at it just from a schematical point, he is a press man guy. The team likes to play zone. I am assuming the team is now going to be in a better position to play more man-to-man defense because they have the horses to do it at this point in time. You don't want to do something unless you have the personnel to do it. And right now, Washington has the coaching staff in place as well as the personnel with William Jackson and a few of these other additions. You look at a guy in Benjamin St. Just, um, who was also a big corner, somebody who people say can play a lot of good press man is learning the ins and outs of zone still. But those are the kind of people that they have now in the ecosystem. Of course, I haven't even talked about Curtis Samuel and what he's going to be able to do, not only for himself in this office, but also taking off a lot of the pressure for Terry McLaurin. You bring in Adam Humphreys, who, if he's able to stay healthy, you know, you might have a really true slot and they could use some, they could use some production in that spot. I mean, you look at what Steven Jackson did his rookie season, those four touchdowns, um, and he took a dip last year. Obviously, he had some injuries, but you want to, across the board, have all kinds of players, all kinds of weapons that teams really just have to think and consider to themselves, okay, so who do we want to let beat us here? Um, do we want it to be Curtis Samuel? Do we want it to be Terry McLaurin? Do we want it to be Logan Thomas? Uh, maybe Antonio Gibson, who's I was watching get in more into the passing game during OTAs, and I just sat there like, wow, okay, great. So if he adds that to his game, which he was already doing at Memphis, this is going to be kind of scary. And then, of course, you have J.D. McKissick. I continue to go on and on. And then, of course, they get Charles Leno, who gets released by the Chicago Bears, a true left tackle who started since 2015 for the team. I think it was 93 consecutive games. So that's pretty impressive. Um, you move over Cornelius Lucas back to the right side, who was his teammate in Chicago, who played eight. The last time he was Chicago, he had eight starts there. So, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. I think that they have put a lot of very good pieces in place and not overspent to do so. And that is what championship teams do at their cores, that they find ways to bring in people who are talented, who may not have had as many opportunities on other teams. I think a guy like Logan Thomas is a prime example of that. You see what he did with the amount of reps he got last year. He played all 16 games, played all the snaps. You try to find somebody in John Bates who can be a good number two tight end just in case anything happens, which I think was very smart on their on their end. Um, you see maybe if Ricky Seals-Jones can possibly add something there as well, too, or like a, to Mark Hemingway or Hemingway could do something in that regard, maybe as a number three tight end. Um, just 
overall, this is a very well-built team. And defensively, you didn't – I don't think you lost anything. I mean, you got a guy in Bob McCain who had four interceptions during OTAs. I mean, if, if for goodness sake, if they were able to get anything from the free safety spot after years and years of not necessarily having any consistency there, um, that would be exceptional. That would really probably be one of the last pieces on the defense is that free safety spot because you have options at strong safety. You've got options at cornerback. Um, you know what the defensive line looks like. My God, help you if you're an offensive lineman playing against this team. Um, and I don't mean that bias. I mean, just look at who's on the defensive line and then look at who's the backups. It's not right. really fair the amount of stackness they have there at that particular spot. It, they, just, they can hit you in waves. So you've got a defense that clearly show they'll give you the ball now even offense it looks like they might be able to put some points on the board consistently um <clears throat> i think i think the quiet hype that is around this team is very much justified and that's why long answer to your question i gave them an a for the offseason because you didn't have to overspend to get what you needed you replaced a guy in ronald darby who was a very good number two corner last year and went over to denver he signed that contract you bring in a guy who unanimously is considered the better quarterback in William Jackson. Um, it, I mean, it's just, it's impressive. It really is impressive. And a lot of it goes down to, you know, talk to Charles Leno, you talk to William Jackson, and what do they keep saying? We wanted to come play for coach Ron Rivera. And uh, we've heard great things about him. We've seen what he's done. And honestly, I'm excited to get to training camp because I'm going to finally get to see what a Ron Rivera training camp looks like in flesh. I, I, exactly. No, me too. I can't wait to get up to Richmond. Something that you mentioned uh, that I think a lot of people overlook, you especially on the you said said it about the defensive line, and I think you can say it about the offensive line too. But I think it's roster wide, and that's depth. You know, in the past, it seems like you know starters looked good, but it was always well if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, this team looks like it's built to withstand a couple of injuries in key positions and not unravel. That is correct. And that's something that Ron and his staff talks about. Your team is only as good as the depth that you have behind the starters. And I think that's a very true statement. I mean, you could look at what's happening, look at what's happening in the NBA. Look at the teams that are playing in the finals right now. What do they have? Depth. Because a lot of these teams had a lot of injuries. I mean, you could look at the Lakers, you could look at the Mets. And I know this is basketball, but sports are sports. At the end of the day, it's the same general concept. Beyond your starting five, beyond your starting 11, who you have behind those people that if those players get injured would be able to hold the fort down in the time being until they get back. Or if they aren't able to get back for that season, are they capably able to handle it? Last year, you saw when Landon Collins went down, Cam Curl did, he exceeded. He didn't just fill the hole. He overflowed the hole that was left by Landon Collins being there. I mean, Landon Collins, if I remember correctly, had like nine missed tackles, which was third most at the time. Cam Curl had three interceptions as a rookie. He had, I think he had five passes. Excuse me. He had five tackles for a loss, which is matching Landon Collins as well, too. Um, yeah, I think he had two sacks as well last season. So, I mean, he completely supplemented Landon Collins to the point where we're having a conversation like, so is there a real competition happening at strong safety? Because it, if this is a meritocracy, then there should be, without right. question. Less expensive, much, in this situation, more productive last season because they basically split the season starting-wise. Mm -hmm. um, player, but you have that contact 12.5 million guarantee to land in right now that you just, you know, you want, you certainly want the guy that you're paying that kind of money to, to be the guy. But at some level, I mean, I've said this since last season, Cam Curl deserves that, that level of attention where that level of consideration for starting just because of how he played. He doesn't talk very much, 
but he goes out and he performs. He has that interception for a return last year, if you remember in San Francisco, when mm-hmm. Chase shot that fumble return for a touchdown. And that's what won them the game. I think that was the first time since 1992 Minnesota did the same thing where no offensive scores were made, but the team still won the game because of some defensive scores. Um, this team has depth. The offensive line certainly does. The defensive line definitely does. The cornerback room most certainly does. Safeties are also stacked. Wide receivers, you have some questions there, I think, a little bit more. But, I mean, you have Cam Sims. You have some rookies. You have some young players. So, one could argue you have that there. At quarterback, you certainly have some depth there as well, too. All three guys started games last season. So, I mean, and some people think Taylor Heineke should be the starter. So, in that regard, you definitely do. Um, you know, at running back, you might want a little bit of juice there. But you definitely, J.D. McKissick, um, you know, Peyton Barber is not Antonio Gibson, but like he will get you those hard yards and, you know, if you need it so you can have it. The only place on this team where they don't have great depth, in my personal opinion, is the linebackers. That's the only group where I sit there wondering, Oof, if someone gets injured, what will happen? And it's only at some level, I say this only because I don't know what David Mayo is going to do. Um Or some of the other guys, or like, you know, Klee Hudson had some defensive snaps, but he was mostly on special teams. Well, you don't know. They might surprise you. So from what I know last year, I don't really see them having too much depth there. But again, that could change based on what we see in training camp, based on what we see in the preseason, which we have this year, thank goodness, because I think that especially for some of these young guys and players that like are trying to get back into the mix of things, um, that'll be extremely beneficial. But yeah, this team, literally, I, I mean, I just named every single position on the team and where is their <laughs> right. linebacker? Really, I mean, I can name the second level of all these of all these players. And I mean, these are guys that might be able to start in some of these other teams and not bad teams and some of these, you know, mid to pretty good teams. They would be able to start for them. So all that being said, uh, you know, do you think that obviously this team takes a step up uh, in weight class this year because it's got a first place schedule? So I guess the big question is, how does all that translate into playing the better teams, uh, you know, in, in the NFL and specifically, you know, defending against the better quarterbacks instead of the, uh, the what, Carter Finley's and, and Andy Dalton's of the world, they're going to get presumably the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and, and Pat Mahomes and those guys. Well, they are going to get those guys. And that's All the right. beautiful thing about it is that, um, well, actually they won't get Tom Brady because, Oh no, that's not true. They, they got will. Tampa again this that's year. Right. They got the NFC. So, oh, wow. This is like my first, my, wow. Well, I was going to say my freshman year, my covering <laughs> the team. Wow. We are going to run it all. <laughs> you don't want the softball competition because that's not really going to prepare you for the teams that they're going to play this year. I mean, going to Pittsburgh last year, winning at Hinesville for the first time since Hinesville was erected was huge. That was extremely important for them because it gives them the confidence later on in the season to do some of the other things that they did to compete in places where they didn't expect them to compete. Um, or to challenge other teams. So you need that. This year, you're going to play the Buffalo Bills. You're going to play Tampa Bay. You're going to play, well, the New Orleans Saints don't have Drew Brees, but they're still the New Orleans Saints, and Sean Payne is still their coach. They're going to be a well-coached team regardless. Um, Excuse me. Um, You have to play Kansas City. I just thought about that. You have to play the Kansas City. Yeah, the Los Angeles Chargers in the first game of the season. this isn't going to be easy, but I don't think that that's the way that they would want it either way. If you really think about it, um, you want, again, you want to play these teams who are the best of their conference or excuse me, are the best of their division, the best of their conference, because truly that's going to show you how do we stack up against the best teams? Because, you know, the Buffalo bills were just taking a deep run to the playoffs last year, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl. Um, that's the, if you can beat those teams, 
I mean, they competed against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. They competed against Tampa Bay better than any other team that competed against them in the playoffs last year. That's mm-hmm. a very good measuring stick. And that's with a lot of the injuries that they had. And that's with the guy who was the four starting quarterback they had last season. Imagine if you had the same starter all year long. Think about it. I mean, just they should be excited. It, as I mean, Bob, you played sports. You don't get excited about playing the teams you know you can beat. I mean, you don't want to fall into the trap of losing to these teams, but you get excited about playing those extremely good teams that you know are going to challenge you because the truth of the matter is, is that any athlete knows, any person who's ever played sports knows that you only get better playing people that are better than you because they will show you your warts, your faults, and where you need to get better so that the next time you see them, hopefully you correct those things and it's a more competitive game. Matter of fact, I just, I'm just writing a story about Benjamin St. Juice, and one of the things that his coach talked to me about was that there was a point where he would play Rashad Bateman. Yes, they were teammates for two years. He would go rep for he would go rep for rep with Rashad Bateman. And there was a point where Rashad Bateman would beat the brakes off of him every single rep. But over time, you go up against the best on a regular basis like that. And he started to close the gaps to the point where his coach was saying, Hey, it was basically blow for blow, rep for rep. They were splitting it 50-50 at some at like once you got towards the end last year. Mm-hmm. And Rashad Bateman was the first round pick. So what does that tell you about the third round pick that they just got? In Benjamin St. Juice. So that's what this should be about playing the best teams that every division has to offer this year, playing the best teams that the comp that the AFC conference and the NFC conference have to offer should excite this team. And I genuinely believe that with the players they have, I mean, you talk about Jonathan Allen, Jonathan Allen won't tell you a whole bunch of a lot of things, but one thing he will consistently tell you is that he wants to go up against the best every single week. And he says he plays the best every single week because once you get to the NFL, you're really not playing bad people at some level. But that's the kind of attitudes that they have on this team is that if we're not excited about playing the biggest, baddest team in the NFL or the biggest, baddest team in the AFC, NFC or whatever division we're facing, then we're not we're not in this for the right reasons. And I think that that's probably the best thing here is that you have the right coach, you have the right players, you have the right ecosystem to foster that level of confidence that one they can be in the ring with anybody else. And number two, that they can win in the ring with anybody else. And they want to be in that ring. They don't shy away from that competition whatsoever. I think that's one of the best parts about this team. One of the things I'm most excited to see, especially once we get to the first game of the season, because it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's like Ric Flair always said, to be the best, you got to beat the best. This is true. <laughs> so when, when can we see that uh, article on that story on Benjamin St. Just on The Athletic? Ooh, I would like to believe that that would be a this week's story, possibly tomorrow, but it could. We could. I, the thing is, you know me, I am a perfectionist. We could edit it still and then post it as a Monday feature story. That is a possibility as well, too. So it'll be either tomorrow or Monday, but the story is in. My boss and I are going to go over it. Um, and I'm pretty excited about it because, again, it goes to a lot of it goes to a lot of tenants we just talked about, which is these are the kind of guys with the kind of attitudes that they have here. And one of the things one of, I'll, I'll share one other thing with you about the story. His yeah. coach would say that, you know, when you're doing drills and practice and you like have a line and like you go up and, you know, you and the other person or you and the other people like compete against each other. And then you go to the back of the line. Mm-hmm. Basically, if Benjamin St. Juice would lose his rep, he wouldn't even wait to go to the back of the line. He's not waiting five reps. He's getting right back at the front of the line. OK, let's get the taste of my like get, let's get the taste of that out of my mouth immediately. Like, let's let's fix this now. So like those are those are the kinds of people, those are the kinds of players that they have brought into the Washington football team ecosystem. These are guys who obviously want to get paid, but more than anything, they want championships. They want to be successful. It's not enough to just win a few games. Ultimately, the goal of playing at this level is to win a Super Bowl, right? 
Right. That's that's what they have in place here. Very cool. Uh, if folks want to follow you on Twitter, Bree, because you tweet a lot, it's at Instant Replay. Correct? Did I get that right? You got it correct. And Instant Replay is R H I play. Little play on my word. I'll play on my name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's a lovely play on your name, if if I do say so myself. Free Anna <laughs> Walker of the Athletic. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. We will see you up in Richmond. We can't wait. I will see you down in Oh, it's funny because you say up and I say down. I know. I'll see, I'll see you down in a few weeks, Bob. And that, boys and girls, is that. And that is the way we do things. Now, once the season starts, we should be giving you new content three to five days a week. Uh, we'll have plenty of insight for you, as well as we'll have lookbacks, we'll have look-aheads. What could be, what I think is going to be a really, really interesting season for the Washington football team, when you think about it, maybe more optimism here this year than we have seen, what, since... Uh, RG3 going into RG3's second year. Let's hope it turns out a little bit better than that. Regardless of which, you can catch us on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, the sportsjourney.com website, wherever fine podcasts are sold and just monitor the Twitter channel, uh, monitor your Twitter feed. Every time that we put up a new show, I will tweet you out a link. We will see you starting the first week in August with our first set of training camp specials. Till then, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white.